yeah. Okay, cool. Well, welcome. Thanks for joining. Sure. Thanks for having me. This is nice. How's your quarantine life going? Um, messy, but all right. <laughs> Ooh, I respect that. Yeah. Um, I think some of our followers, our listeners may know you already. Um, and we've obviously mentioned you on the podcast before, um, but not in great detail. So just to give a quick introduction, um, Ellie is our older sister. And I don't think we've ever talked about our whole family, but we have a big family. We're, we are eight children all together. Um, and we're all two years apart. So Ellie's four years older than me and Martha is four years younger than me. And I'm the middle sister. And, um, yeah, we decided to bring her on today, honestly, because quarantine sucks and we just miss people and we thought it'd be (laughs) enjoyable to have you on, Elle. Um, so I don't know. You want to give like a brief introduction to your life? I mean, obviously you're in a different spot than what me and Martha do on a daily basis. Sure. Um, it's so nice to be talking with you guys. It feels so funny because usually I listen to you guys and I'm like, I'm, I'm just going to let you talk and I'm just going to listen to you talk. Um, <laughs> so I, yeah, I'm the, the oldest of the sisters and I am married and I have been, I guess this year it'll be 12 years. Um, and we wow. have three beautiful children, um, two biologically and one who we adopted out of a foster care type situation. Um, we have our oldest child is our adopted child and he is seven and a half. And then we have a daughter who's seven and a half. Um, and then a little meatball son who turned five in February. And so they keep me pretty busy. And I got to be honest, this like transition to, I've been calling it isolation, um, has been quite challenging. Um, but we're, we're doing it. And, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Life is crazy, but we're just trying Mm -hmm. to laugh. We're just trying to laugh a lot. Yeah. I mean, quarantining is hard in general, but I honestly, I've seen a lot of memes that are like, what a time to be childless. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly though. Yeah. For real. Cause it's hard work. And, um, I mean, the nice thing is you're able to, to help school them. Right. And like, obviously your husband is off still having to work and somewhat of an essential worker. So, I mean, it's nice that you can do that. I've, I've been talking to some people and like, I mean, there are a lot of people who I'm working with who they're like coworker. His wife is a nurse. Mm-hmm. She's oh. working. They have twin boys who are um, seven years old oh my and like he's working for yeah. my company at home. So he's like, it's, they do okay. Um, but like, it's hard to keep them entertained while, um, you know, and doing schoolwork while you still have to work. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel really fortunate that I don't currently have to work. Like I have a, a part-time job that I do little bits of work here and there in funny little pockets, but I don't have a full-time job that requires me full-time still. And my heart just goes out to those parents that are like hustling hard on that side and having to wear all the hats. That's crazy. And I think a lot of never get to leave the house. And never get to leave. Yeah, it's crazy. I think a lot about like the teachers who are also parents who are having to help their children do their school and also still teach and oh, yeah. I just think like to double down like that and not be able to leave the house. Um, my heart just goes out to like 
teachers who are like carrying twice the load there. Yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah, um, it's crazy. Um, but we're we're happy to kind of connect with you tonight and maybe escape from that reality for a little bit, yeah. even though we're all still inside. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you're in well, a car. I'm hiding in my car. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. But uh, Marta, how about you give a little update on your world and like absolutely what's going on in the hospital? All right. So the latest <laughs> on COVID-19 is that I am now caring for COVID patients. Mm. Um, they are not on my home unit. However, um, we have had a surge in the amount of patients coming to the hospital in the past couple of days. And basically it's all hands on deck on the units that are having those patients there. Um, so I'm getting floated up to um, those floors and getting patients that are COVID positive and caring for them. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a totally um, different setting. Um, obviously the unit is different. Um, also like when I get there, I immediately change out of my scrubs and into like the hospital surgical scrubs. Um, then I have like my new face shield that I got this week, which is just basically a giant shield that goes from like my forehead to my neck. Um, Oh my gosh, it's that big. I thought it was just like the face. No, it's like, so the face shield is this big. Um, but then there's another screen that you've seen a lot of people wearing, um, which is a different type of shield. And that one is for, um, when you have a patient who is airborne precautions. Um, so basically Uh. if you have a patient who, um, is, um, vented, who is on a high flow nasal cannula or who, um, is, has a trach, those None of these things are so, English to me. A lot of <laughs> patient who has a trach is like the person who has a hole, a hole in, in their, their neck. Throat. Something's breathing for them. Yes. Okay, gotcha. The vent is a ventilator. Okay, so does that um, just look like a mask then over their face? And no, getting... it's basically like something down, down the, the throat. throat. Okay. Um, Which you get if you ha- go like anesthesia for yeah. simple surgery. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's like an intubation, right? I've yeah. had that. Um, and then... The last one, the high flow nasal cannula. So normal oxygen, you see the the prongs that go up the nose, Mm -hmm. that can only go up so high to five liters of oxygen. Mm. And then once you need a higher amount in order to keep the patient stable, they have to change to a different type of machine, which is the high flow. Um, And then you can kind of go up to different levels above five liters Mm. of oxygen. Um, And that basically just there's so much air and compression um humidified and all that jazz that it basically makes the patient to be airborne precautions because there's such a huge spread of the germs happening into the air gotcha um versus most patients who aren't on those things are droplet and contact so you wear the gown and you wear your mask um so luckily for me, I would say I failed my fit test to wear the N95 mask, which is what you're supposed to wear with airborne patients. So I can't get an airborne patient right okay. now um, until I get fit tested again. 
Mm. But um, I do get the patients who are on droplet precautions and all that jazz. So really, um, I think the main difference for, for me is the amount of time I'm spending with my patients. Um, I have a lower amount of patients. So I only have two patients max on these floors, whereas on my normal floor, I have five patients. Um, and with that, I am doing all of the care. Um, but you I, don't have any aid. There are no aids. Um, so I basically am giving them the baths, helping with their hygiene care, turning them, getting them to the bathroom, anything that the patient could possibly need. It's me who's doing it, um, which is different, but I think it's been easy for me because I was an aide before I was a nurse. And so you're very, um, I already know this from like work stories. Martha is, um, I think you're like dedicated and meticulous in the sense of like, you want someone to have good care and hygiene is part of that. Cause we've had stories even just about outside of COVID like AIDS not doing work and you even as a nurse picking it up and doing it because the way that you like value your patients. Yeah, that is true. I do like, I do very much care about my patient's care and, and I don't let that their, their care suffer because of someone else not picking up their slack. But um, yeah, so I think like the other night I had a patient and I spent, I only had one patient at the beginning of my shift. And so I spent like two hours with my patient in his room talking to him. Yeah. Do you think you're at like more high exposure for, with that? Yeah, probably. But I mean, if you're maintaining the proper precautions, then you're good. Mm -hmm. But, um, and you said this guy's on the, tail end of his he's, yeah he's getting better he was like about to be discharged mm-hmm. um but was still there just kind of getting everything wrapped up um and I don't know for me I understand yes it's more exposure but you're the only human contact that these people are having mm-hmm. like I think <laughs> it's weird because you're oh, that's like hazmat suits yeah but that's that's all they're getting yeah, with human to human contact. Yeah. So another th- thought that I had, and this is super random, but like I was thinking through, like if I got coronavirus, like I don't think I'd need to stay in a hospital or be in a hospital. Like, are people getting it, being tested positive, and then just staying in their home and healing? Yeah, at home yeah. if they're stable. Yes. Yeah. The majority of the people who are in the hospital are those who um, are having issues with a lot of time keeping their oxygen levels at adequate. Mm-hmm. Um, levels so they need oxygen to be able to stay stable Mm -hmm. um interesting yeah well there's a lot going on lots going on it's it was definitely intimidating but honestly being there for the two days that I was I feel a lot better about it yeah I have a feeling you'll have COVID patients I I have a feeling you'll be doing this for a while yeah so um that's worth we're thankful for you thank you for doing that by the way and I know these people um are lucky to have you as their nurse for sure so it's just always kind of crazy and I think the world is not getting back to normal you know like yeah um COVID COVID is slowly but surely kind of creeping its way and I think with the social isolation I, I don't I know there's been lots of talk about it like kind of 
ending or people getting back to normal. I don't really feel that happening yeah. realistically, but that's just my I'm having a assumption. hard time with the amount of people who are like the protests and the amount of people going on Facebook and saying this isn't needed because as we see more people slacking off, we're watching the numbers that were declining increase now. Yeah. And we're having like patients die. Like we're seeing patients dying. And yeah. I think it's hard for people who are at home and saying, this sucks. I'm, I'm at home and I'm stuck inside and, you know, I'm going to be fine. So let's open everything back up. But the realization is, yes, maybe those people would be stable and could get it and be fine. But they could potentially infect someone who would die. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Um, I saw a bunch of people referencing, I think it's called like the Spanish flu. Mm-hmm. There was a case. Um, do you know about that? Have you... Like, apparently the first round, there was only, like, a, a couple million people who died or however many it was. And then, like, they released people back out into the world kind of too soon. And then a bunch of people died. I don't really know the details of it. But a lot of people are referencing that mm-hmm. and saying, like, it's the same example or it's an example of, like, yeah. you know. So, um, yeah, it's crazy. We could we could talk about all of the details of COVID for hours. Yeah. But... <laughs> um, I think... It's been, it's been interesting. I'm glad to hear that you guys are both surviving. Well, I'm glad to hear you're surviving, Ellie. I know it's, it's, it's hard on your end too. Um, so I guess to kind of change topics and talk about what we were going to talk about this week. Um, I don't know, like, if you want to just take a second to do a disclaimer. Yeah, I think, um, this is a really hard topic and I think we just want to make sure that everyone is aware when listening to this podcast, um, we will be talking about sexual assault and, you know, our experiences with it, the generic overview of it, statistics, and also just um, the mental health repercussions. Oh, hello. Hey, yeah, I don't know. It cut out on my end. So keep oh. going. <laughs> You're back. <laughs> <laughs> So we just wanted to take a moment um, to make sure that everyone who is listening is aware um, and we don't potentially um, put you in a triggering position. So if this is something that you think would be triggering for you, if it's best for you, we'd love for you to um, just end the podcast here um, because we don't want you to sacrifice your mental health for listening to this podcast. Sure. I also think we have no intention of getting or or demeaning anyone's experiences. Um, yeah. So I think the the point is that we hope to have this be a safe space where um, I think from our experience, talking with our sisters has been helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. If you are aware and know that this is not something you want to hear about, talk about, listen to, um, now would be the time, yes. right? So um, the reason it's funny, because like, we were not, it's not funny. That's no, it's, it's not <laughs> never funny. Um, but we were trying to come up with a topic for this week. And we were kind of bouncing around on ideas and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I found somewhere I saw on the internet always, um, that April is sexual assault awareness month. And I was like, hmm, I didn't even know that existed. Like, yeah. As a thing. So then I was like, all right, how long has that been the case? And like, I Googled it and I saw that it had been like 20 years of it yeah. being a, um, a thing. 
or, you know, so, and then I was like, wow, I'm very curious. Like if people realize that there's a month dedicated to sexual assault awareness and it kind of just got me started thinking on the topic, how people experience rape culture in this world and how women, how the statistics are so high of people experiencing sexual assault. Um, and I do think when I look back over the last couple of years, like we have gotten stronger and are fighting harder to um, talk about and fight against victim shaming. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think, I mean, obviously there's a long way, long ways to go. We all know that, but I do think um, it was just kind of funny to me that I, that there's this month and um, I'm not sure why people aren't making a bigger deal about it or making mm -hmm. it something that's talked about um, all month long. And so, I mean, we're releasing this on the last day of April, which doesn't really work, but we can talk about sexual assault awareness anytime, yeah. I think. And we should. Yeah. I think ultimately you want to bring awareness to it and, and help people. So um, obviously we, we all have our own experiences in, in different ways um, with this. And I reached out to um, our listening community through Instagram. And um, if anybody wants to just a plug, follow us on Instagram or talk to us via Instagram, our um, handle is at what's up with your sister dot podcast. Mm -hmm. Um. So I just put a couple of things out there and I, I just wanted to like, see, I always kind of do this, like what people, so the first was like, if people knew April was a, um, was a sexual assault awareness month. Um, and it, that was like a renowning no, there was like, I don't know, 30 people who answered and two of them knew. Uh, wow. So that was kind of surprising to me. Yeah. Um, cause even just from my community, I follow a lot of people who I feel like advocate, uh -huh. um, mm -hmm. And would, if they were in that position, I don't know that anyone like stands, I mean, some people do, but so that was interesting. I mean, I think we probably all expected that. Did you know, Ellie? I don't remember what your answer was. I did not. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know either. Um, but, and then I asked like why people thought that. And I got, a, I got some answers, um, mostly around like shame, victim shaming, um, mm -hmm someone kind of said like sex in general is taboo and then to talk about it from a forceful aggressive attack version would be like frowned upon or is um, even more taboo yeah exactly mm -hmm. um so I, I kind of expected those answers you know I think the re the reason that it's there's obviously needs to be awareness for it there's a level of like everyone knowing that, but there's also a, even just what we were talking about here at the beginning of this disclaimer of like talking about it can be harmful to some. So even the people who are fighting for it, it, it um, creates this need to like, I always be in pain. I think if you're always talking about it and always being aware mm -hmm. of it, so I feel like sometimes it might be easier to just not mm. acknowledge it. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah, I do. Um, but I don't know if, if either of you guys have any thoughts on, um, just even like the culture or I know there's too many things. I mean, to I have into. lots of thoughts on the culture. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that for one thing for me on why it's not known, I would say there's no one like advocating for it. Um, not to say that there's there's no one advocating for it. Sorry, I must rephrase. 
when you think about months, you think um, breast cancer awareness. Mm-hmm. Everyone wears pink. Mm-hmm. The football players in the NFL have pink shoes on. Like everyone is in your face. There's no way for you not to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no one is doing that for this. And I don't know if there's a way necessarily. I mean, I know today is Blue Jean Wednesday, which you like are supposed to wear blue jeans and it's a representation. But like how many people would really what? know Can you that? Expand? Like it's supposed to bring awareness. It's like wearing pink. You wear blue jeans. But like what's the story or- behind like that relating to sexual awareness, sexual assault awareness? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I don't know if there really is a. I'm just wondering if it's maybe like jeans to like over like a skirt, like wearing pants. I don't think that. Okay. I think it's that's sometimes a rhetoric that's oftenly used in sexual assault, mm-hmm. especially groping cases. The way a woman is dressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know if the jeans thing was like. A... I think it's like all the other colors were taken, but I. Don't quote me on that. But it was like... We should look it up. Yeah. See if there's yeah. I can Google it real quick. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Ellie, do you have any thoughts on... Why you think people don't talk about sexual assault? I struggle with this one so much because, like, I feel like it boils back down to just an innate human shame about sexuality. And, like... In general, people can't talk about sex, but like you mentioned earlier, especially like if it's if it's icky and like they won't they just won't indulge it. And I think it as a result leaves the victims feeling so very isolated that like they're damned if they do and they're damned if they don't. And even if there are people who do like, for example, celebrities who speak out just like adamantly about it and against it and they call it out and still people like shame them for speaking out about it and like it's just unfortunately it is like the most insidious part of humanity and I wish I had a better answer as to why because if I knew why y'all I would fix it (laughs) it would be fixed already but like the fact that even with a full month of the year like we only have 12 months of the year mm-hmm. and a full month is dedicated to this and even the month of awareness is swept under the rug like and like people innately do and their instincts are to do with a sexual assault mm-hmm. like why 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 and i don't know it's the shit that keeps sorry it's the stuff that keeps you up at night you're allowed to say shit on this podcast well, then I'm going to say shit, y'all. <laughs> well, shit. Well, shit. All right. I have the reasoning. Okay. Here. Tell us. Okay. So, Denim Day is a campaign on we- on a Wednesday in April in honor of Sexual Assault Awareness Month. The campaign began after a ruling by the Italian Supreme Court where a rape conviction was overturned because the justices felt that since the victim was wearing tight jeans, she must have helped the person who raped her remove her jeans thereby implying consent. The following day, the women in the Italian parliament came to work wearing jeans in solidarity with the victim. Mm. Oh, that makes me want to go put jeans on right now. Yeah. I wore legs like, today, y'all, but I'm like, jeans today? damn, I'll wear them tomorrow. Yeah, I'll wear I'll jeans wear jean everything. Yo, I got a chambray shirt. <laughs> I got a denim jacket. Yeah. 
Um, I knew there was a reason. I figured there had to be some yeah. symbolization, which I, I, not that I like that story, but um, it makes me feel more passionately that I, I want to support. Yeah. I think that's the other thing that comes with these types of um, awarenesses. So you were talking about breast cancer. Like, I think it's the stories behind a lot of times. It's the mm-hmm. faces. I mean, and unfortunately, like cancer hits home for so many people. Yeah. And it is awful and terrible. But I feel like there's those memories and heart-wrenching stories and pictures that p- depict yeah. what you know that heaviness of breast cancer is and so that resonates in everyone's head and so I feel like these types of things with jeans not only is that's why I asked about the skirt thing because it's like almost well I would wear a skirt I guess if that's but that's a lot of times in, in American culture something that's used to mm-hmm. is like that yeah. the girl was slutty like she wasn't dressed she wasn't dressed you know or what were you wearing yeah um and it's just it causes people to instead of just saying what happened to you was wrong there's all these circumstances around well maybe it could have been this that led to it or this is why it happened yeah excuses yeah Yeah. oh absolutely well justifications not even excuses yeah yeah it's so messed up yeah it is i um i did because the statistics are very high i said on the instagram um feed and i think it, you can find this stuff out there, but that like um, one in every three women will experience some form of sexual assault. And that that's going to vary. And I think, you know, obviously that's going to, there's, I consider things sexual assault that I feel like some people may not like women may not like, I think any form of touching a person that's not consented is sexual assault. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've experienced that a lot of times in my life, like people touching my butt, Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that is assault to me, but then I wouldn't compare me experiencing that in life with someone who was raped. Yeah. You know, but they are that, that level is out there. And I think the lower end of it, there's no, it happens very frequently is almost a cultural thing and is accepted. Like you yeah. couldn't, um, I think also like se- sexual harassment mm. is accepted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's the norm yeah well I the other statistics that I found was like the high numbers of these attacks happening on college campuses mm-hmm. and the high number of these attacks happening in workplaces um and Ellie you had mentioned earlier uh, like offline about Monica Lewinsky which I think is a story that was iconic and obviously publicized about a person who kind of suffered the ish, the impact of having someone powerful come on to them and being around and trying to have a work relationship with someone who's kind of putting themselves onto you. And when that level of like questioning, did you cause it to happen? Uh-huh. You, let, you know, certain, you let certain things go and it, it led to something else kind of, I think that's one thing that victims obviously have to deal with after the fact is, is questioning how they got there, you know? Yeah. 100%. Um, I guess one of the things that we wanted to kind of talk about and, and obviously the awareness, the conversation about it, how taboo it is, um, all those things are going to, I think, continue to happen. Um, what I'd like to see and what I challenge myself to do is like stand up to it more, stand up to people and not, 
let anyone, I think, I, I don't know how to exactly say this. I don't want to, I want to advocate for people and for yeah. awareness and t- yeah. say that's wrong and that's not okay. Um, and I, and I do, unfortunately, like if anyone ever touches me inappropriate, usually lecture them in a bar and tell the, the bartenders they have to be removed and stuff. Like I make a big deal out of it. Yeah. Well, you should make a big deal. And and women and men should be safe to be able to make those big deals and say in that moment, like, yo, you do not have the right to touch me. And what you did was grossly inappropriate. And I'm not going to stand for it. But instead, we live in a society where, like, you're just supposed to, like, I, I don't know, just scoot by and, like, not make eye contact and act like that person didn't just do it. Or if you do respond to them, you know, everybody looks at you like you're a raging bitch. And, you know, that poor innocent guy, he just was, you know, trying to have a fun time and you overreacted to an innocent gesture. And it's it's just horrible. And I I think back to a day in particular that our family experienced where there was a young girl sitting in a hospital waiting room by herself weeping because she couldn't go any further and didn't have anyone there advocating her and the medical staff themselves were not advocating for her. And I just think like, what is wrong with humanity? And I regret not like doing something then I didn't know what to do. And I think that's, that's a whole other platform of like educating people on what to do. And like how to defend someone and how to defend yourself and how to speak up in those moments and speak the truth and do it fiercely and to hear people and to believe people. Yeah. I think one of the things, and and you kind of touched on it, but just to say it blankly is I think one of the harder things for anyone in that situation is that they're already damaged and then they need to then fight for themselves just to get, just to get anyone to ignore, like you're fighting the medical staff and, and you're already in a point where you're demeaned and you're as low as you possibly can be. And you're supposed to somehow have the strength to then have people condescend you, talk down to you and continue to just say, you're wrong. I'm right. Keep going. Yep. And it's like, no wonder assaults go assault. So many assaults go unreported. Unreported. I mean, the statistics one in three women, ninety percent. One in six men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that those are those are statistics based on the percentage of people who are reporting. And that's I was thinking about that when I was reading those statistics on Instagram, and I was like, it's higher. It's I know higher. it's higher. Like I live that it's higher because I myself like never reported a, an experience, and it's one of those things that like it. It's the reason that I reacted the way that I did for other like people, honestly. Um, But it's, uh, you know, it was so complicated and the level of trauma that I was carrying just from the assault itself. And then rolling that over into, I opened up to someone one time and they handled my information so poorly that, and, and, and added more shame, so much shame Mm -hmm. that, it made me never want to ever talk about it again. And it, and it furthered my feelings of like, I'm so horrible, which is, is so messed up that I've carried that for so many years. But like, I use that feeling now to like, 
to champion people almost to like fight for them. Like, no, we are going to the hospital. We are making a report. We are calling 911. We are doing this because you matter and your body matters and your yeah. mental health matters. And this experience is not right and it needs to matter. And so maybe sometimes I come in a little too, a little too big in that corner, but like, you need to fight big against a big evil like this. Yeah. I think, um, although I agree, I also disagree. I think, um, you know, I think everyone has the right to choose what they think is best. And for some people that's not reporting, um, for themselves. And so I wanted to say something uh, just really quick about that. Like in regards to reporting versus not reporting, I think someone healing them mattering, it mattering and it being known and followed up on whether in a criminal sense or in a mental health healing Mm -hmm. sense, like it doesn't have to involve them or anyone else even calling them by name. If you don't, if you don't, that's not going to help you heal. Yeah. I don't think, I think the, I don't think I think, it being reported weighs on it mattering. It matters either way. It yeah, matters yeah. if no one knows. It matters oh, absolutely. Way. I think acknowledging. Yes. Acknowledging yeah. for yourself, acknowledging that it happened, not necessarily reporting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's up to each person's mm-hmm. choice. Um, and this is actually a nice segue into kind of our other topic that we wanted to touch on with this is that um, with sexual assault um with assault in general you experience a huge loss of control and over your body over your emotions your, your emotions you are not in control you have lost control and um with coping a very common thing for people to do is for them to need control that brings some sort of satisfaction. I wouldn't say satisfaction, but that's what they're fighting for. Comfort. Mm -hmm. You have control. And being able to choose for yourself whether or not you want to report is a sense of control. And I don't think I, I, I think you get on both ends. People who are fierce advocates almost sometimes shame people for not reporting. And I don't want that to be um, something that we kind of I think misinterpret. Yeah. I think that I think that everyone has a right to make that decision for themselves, and that is in their control. Um, but yeah, I mean, it can be a positive and a negative thing. Um, needing that sense of control um, can, can can be a coping me- mechanism that is very positive to their life. Yeah, um, in or- a sense of like other ways that you can find control because maybe you, maybe you can't report it. Maybe that's not part of it. Yeah. Right. Maybe that's, yeah. And, and there is re- real realities of um, just being aware that you, you wouldn't win the fight. Right. So like, rep- or it's your word against theirs, you know, and, and you can go ahead and report it, but you may actually cause yourself more harm. And because, there, there, there's not someone there that's going to be able to win that battle for you, right? Like, is there other things people can do to try to find control in their lives when they may be in that situation? I don't know that you'd have a response to that, but. Um, 
I don't know that I have a response of a specific thing. Do you feel like that's the only thing a victim can control in no. these situations? No, 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 so that's, no. Um, so I think that in any aspect of your life, um, you have a sense of control. If you want to run away, you can. Mm-hmm. If if you want to, um, I don't know. Yeah. Learn a lot, you can. If you want to... Um, advocate for others. Advocate for others, you can. If you want to bodybuild. Yeah. You can. Um, it's anything I think that-, that is something, too, that brings a sense, um, a physical, like, and something that you had used as part of therapy and, like, I have as well in my life and, and my different parts of therapy and healing is like um physical can like like punching and boxing Mm -hmm. and um feeling strength and pain physically to heal emotionally um it can be a very interesting thing but um that's definitely a piece um the other thing is as martha mentioned i think realizing that after or having experienced trauma in this way directly or indirectly um you may be triggered by things that to the to the outside world or someone who doesn't understand what you've gone through is seemingly nothing or seemingly little um and it could race basically you know cause you to relive or to mm-hmm. to kind of throw you into an emotional state that you're not expecting um and one thing that I have struggled with, um, with that type of thing is being mad at myself for not having control or not being able to rein in control mm-hmm. of my emotions in those moments. Um, and instead of, and it's okay to be angry if you blow up and be like, fuck, that was so embarrassing. And I wish that didn't happen. And all, maybe even bad things happen from it. Fights happen, or you say something to someone you regret, but then you hold a burden on yourself then again on, you know, how you acted where I yeah. feel like the, the fault of those experiences is on, on the previous trauma. So I think the other thing is, is I want everyone or anyone who's experienced any harm from another person in any way, physically or emotionally, um, to, to know that it's not your fault. Yeah. And that there's nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. And that it is okay to be in pain on the inside sometimes. Yeah. Um, I think one thing I, sorry to cut you off. I think one thing I do <laughs> want to mention with, with the triggers mm-hmm. topic is that um, trauma causes your neural pathways to basically reroute. Um, and... So, Ellie, I feel like you probably have a lot to add on with this, with your research into RAD. It's very similar. Um, Trauma affects your brain, and it affects the way that your brain works. Um, And knowing, I think, that scientific piece, at least for me, because I'm a scientific type of person, was very helpful in understanding um, why... I wasn't behaving in the way that I thought was normal, why I was Mm -hmm. kind of out of nowhere feeling outbursts of, you know, what does he even want? I don't know. We have the dog here. Like, and he just started going crazy. Um, so I think like one thing to mention in that is that, um, triggers to the outside 
seem out of nowhere. Triggers, even for the person who is experiencing it, seem out of nowhere. You don't always understand why something may trigger you. And that's because um, it's not the normal um, pathway that your brain would take. Um, right. So an experience or a situation that you may have experienced many times in your life repeatedly will have an extremely drastic change in reaction to you and your body and your emotions than it did before. And that has to do with the fact that your brain is not working the same way as it did before. It's a different pathway. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. you kind of need to give yourself that grace mm -hmm. to not hold that against yourself because it's like scientifically you cannot respond the way that you have always responded in these situations because you're not the same person anymore exactly no you're not yeah yeah um i i agree wholly wholeheartedly and i appreciate you saying that and and noting it because i think there are lots of people like me who don't think about why inside makeup wise the things i don't have control of could be the reason i always want to find a reason and the reasons are usually myself Right. I find some way to blame myself. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important for others to be able to say, you know, like you said, your brain is going to work differently now. There's there's a scientific change here and it's not just random and it's yeah. not just you're you're overly emotional. It, it's actually a part of who you are and, and how your body is made up. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think um, that's awesome. And I appreciate you sharing with yeah. us. And Ellie, I appreciate you joining with us. Um, yeah. It was definitely not, I wouldn't say a good topic, but I think it was a good conversation about a topic that's really hard. And I'd love to have more conversations like this in life and with everyone. Um, and I think if anyone ever experiences sexual assault in any way, um, I want them to feel safe to come to any of us for help with no judgment. Um, whether it's to do something about it or just to talk about it, uh, I think fairly for both. And we're going to share the information um, for the hotline. And um, yeah, I can actually um, say that right now. Yeah, go ahead. So um, Rain is, sorry, I lost it. <laughs> um, the phone number for them is 1-800-656-HOPE. Okay. So it's 1-800-656-4673. Um, and that is the National Sexual Assault Telephone Hotline that you can call. Um, and they basically route you to someone in your area to talk to. Yeah. Um, and that's not necessarily for reporting, but sometimes just for comfort. Mm -hmm. um, and I think one thing for me in my experience with sexual assault um, is that you can always go to um, people that you feel safe around mm -hmm. and knowing those people um, and the people who um, will respect your privacy a lot of times. And you know, that can be the safest people in this situation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and, and also on the other side of that, being those people, yeah. being the safe people who, you know, can be that spot that can hear and can love and can grieve with you. Um, is a big part of this turning this because the problem we've each kind of touched on is that you know there's not a lot of those people in the world who are willing to do that to be that person that stays there mm -hmm. so yeah 
I think that's great. Um, for our emotional support sister today, we just have a quick quote. We're going to keep it short and sweet. Um, and we'll go out with that. Yeah. Um, so I just want to read this real quick. It's a quote from Angelina Jolie. We must send a message across the world that there is no disgrace in being a survivor of sexual violence. The shame is on the aggressor. Uh, yes. So this is going to be a topic we'll probably come back to um, and share more on. Yeah, but I for think the time so. being, I think this is a good overview. And I think that every Wednesday we should be wearing jeans. Jeans. Yeah, for forever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love it. Um, hmm. Have a great week, everyone. And, you know, take care of yourself and your mental health. We love you. Bye, guys. Bye.